You are listening to the Delay and Pray podcast, episode number 45. Welcome to the Delay and Pray podcast, where certified Catholic and weight loss coach Beth Bubick teaches you how to permanently lose weight through spiritual fasting. Get ready to gain faith and lose weight through a joyful transformation of both body and soul. Now, your host, Beth, the Catholic Fasting Coach. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Fall is in the air lately, and it is time to say goodbye to the summer heat and hello to those awesome, cool autumn days. And you know what? As I described in my last podcast, we had an amazing event called the Hungry for God Virtual Dinner Party a week ago, and it was a hit. Perfect for fall. It was a webinar with a dinner theme and lots of great conversation with good food cooked up just right to stay in ketosis and then sugar burn a little, staying in the amazing phase of metabolic flexibility. And this is key to spiritual fasting. This is the state that keeps us spiritually fasting forever. And I can attest to that. I want you to listen into this episode where I discuss this fasting state as the key to staying healthy with Jay Richards, the author of the Eat Fast Feast book that is so very popular. I think you're going to enjoy it as one of the best features of the whole night of that webinar. Jay is a great speaker and so knowledgeable about the subject, and I want to share it with you today right now. So without further ado, here's Jay. So Jay, he is this amazing guy who I've wanted to meet for a really long time. When I discovered his book, Eat Fast Feast, Heal Your Body While Feeding Your Soul. So we call it Eat Fast Feast, but the the whole name is that. And it opened my eyes to the foundation of good food. And instead of dieting like the keto diet, he actually brought me to like intermittent fasting with good food and how it feeds both body and mind and soul, all of it. And so I I just loved it. And so he's going to share his story with us, you know, why the food on our plates is actually hurting us and how the ancient art of weekly fasting is, is old. And it's Catholic and it's wonderful and it's life-changing to our bodies and and also to our souls. So we're going to talk all about the food. So let me tell you a little bit about Jay. He has a PhD and is the director of the Richard and Helen DeVos Center for Life, Religion and Family at the Heritage Foundation, as well as a senior research fellow there too. He's also a senior fellow at the Discovery Institute and an author or editor of more than a dozen books, including two New York Times bestsellers. Listen, he's a fantastic human being. I'm honored to have him as the head of the table today at our virtual dinner party to talk about all things spiritual fasting and getting hungry for God instead of clinging to the food that possibly could make us sick. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and add him to the conversation. Hello, Jay. How are you? Great. Good to be with you. Oh, so good to be with you. Oh my gosh, so exciting. So I really am excited for you to be here to tell my entire audience um, and the people that have been my clients that have come into my course that spiritual fasting is possible. Mm-hmm. And for a really long time, um, I, I've always wanted to do bread and water since I was very, very young because my mom's sisters were always into the apparitions and Medjugorje and Fatima. Mm-hmm. And they actually went to all these places, including the shrines of the Virgin um, here in the United States. So when I was a teacher, I would take this baggie of store-bought bread and I would take some water and I would 
I was a Catholic school teacher and I would try to make it all day and I'd get dizzy and lightheaded and I'd be like, this is crazy. I just can't do it. And wow, what I didn't know, Jay, right? What I didn't know is that first of all, the food wasn't sustainable and that's not the kind of bread that they actually work with. And um, also um, I was eating a lot of sugar flour, having a couple glasses of wine at night. Um, so I was sugar burning. And so yeah. my body would not have it. So anyway, it was just all wrong. Okay. Yes. So now I'm not quite to bread and water yet on Wednesdays and mm-hmm. Fridays, but I'm really working on it. I can do it in spurts, like for Lent. Um, that's another subject later. But right yeah. now I want to talk about how sugar flour and alcohol actually fuel this over desire for food and just keeps us sugar burning and wanting to eat all the time. So why don't you just kind of Tell us a little about your story, how you discovered it, because I always tell people that sometimes we discover things when we're in despair. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're like, oh, there's nothing else. How do yeah. I solve this? And you were kind of there, weren't you? you yeah, well, in, in some ways, I mean, I, I hate to say it, that I sort of discovered uh, fasting accidentally in some ways. I'd like you. I had I was actually grew up evangelical and had tried this a couple of different times. Then we became Catholic. 2009, uh, of course, you have what we kind of we call fast uh, on on Ash Wednesday, Good Friday. They're basically eating a little less than we normally do, right? And we just kind of call it a fast and call it good. Um, but I always this I sort of struggled with this. But I was also kind of a fitness person, and some years ago. I was sort of trying low carb uh, eating. And so I just wanted to kind of test it out. I had read Gary Taub's book about sugar. I was persuaded that, yeah, we're doing something weird with our metabolism with the standard American diet by eating highly refined carbohydrates, lots of sugars, depriving ourselves of fats, and basically just plugging ourselves into this one pathway, uh, one metabolic pathway that kind of, you know, uh, um, carbohydrate to glucose and sugar pathway. And I had to have a medical uh, um, uh, procedure done that prevented me from eating for 36 hours, which I thought was going to kill me. But at the end of the 36 hours, I said, okay, well, I'm going to work out. I work out almost every day. And this is going to be terrible. I'm going to be so weak. And I wasn't. I had this kind of weird, clear-minded euphoria. I felt strong. This is very strange. I did what any you know sort of red-blooded American would do. I Googled, okay, effects of fasting. <laughs> and turns out I had kind of stumbled into ketosis, which is this metabolic state your body goes into when you deprive it of carbohydrates and your liver starts converting uh fat in or you know into fuel. Um, and that's sort of how I discovered it. And so I started reading about the literature on fasting. So it wasn't even a kind of theological thing. I thought, well, this is very interesting. Turns out there's this massive literature on the physiological effects and benefits of fasting. And it, at that point, that's when things clicked for me because I was acutely aware of the fact that we had completely abandoned the practice of fasting as the church practiced it easily for a thousand years and as the Eastern Rite and Eastern Orthodox Catholics still mostly retain. But what I realized is that we that that's not just because we were uh, spiritually weak. That's part of the story. Uh, but the other part of the story is that people were able to fast in earlier times because they ate differently in terms of both frequency and the content of their eating. They were what we would now call, say, they were metabolically flexible. Their body could use fat or it could use sugar uh, so that you didn't have those sort of extreme ups and downs every four hours that all of us have if we just tried fasting without taking account of these metabolic factors. And so that's what sort of threw me into it. Um, You know, this is sort of high-functioning obsessive-compulsive disorder. I focused on it and realized nobody had combined the scientific and the theological and historical 
aspects of this together. And so that's really what I wanted to do in Eat Fast Feast. And uh, that's the kind of medium length version of the story of how I stumbled into this. Oh, and I love it. I love it. And I read I read that. That's all in your book, Eat Fast Feast. And, and then what's so interesting is because of their diet, because of how it used to be a really long time ago, and they didn't have McDonald's, you know, in, right. the, in the ancient times, and they didn't have these um, high fructose corn syrup and all of these yep. things, um, they were actually able to fast on bread and water. Um, very easily because the bread was also very good. It was whole, you know, it was uh, wholesome and nutritious and um, made of spelt and, you know, lower glycemic type of wheat, mm -hmm. all of the things. Okay. So that's how you came up. That's how you stumbled on this eat fast feast cycle, which I thought was phenomenal. So you're, we're eating on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays and Saturdays, we're fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays, and then we're feasting on Sundays. And it's yeah. like, we, as humans, we love patterns. We just right. seek out patterns. God made us that way. And so when I found that, I was like, wow, mm -hmm. that is amazing. And then we're doing it for a spiritual purpose. And that's right. what takes us from focusing on the inside, like a diet, Mm -hmm. saying, well, this is about me. It's about my vanity. This is about my fitness. Like you were saying, like this is, and you were just kind of trying to figure yourself out because you, yes. you, know, you, you love to be fit and I love to be fit too. I'm, I'm athletic as well. And so, and I always thought the fasting would hurt my fitness, but what I'm, what I've learned yeah. is um, it, I actually get into like a euphoric state. In fact, when I'm coaching and I'm fasting, I have to be careful because I'm so excited um, that I'm like talking all the time, you know, and it's just, it's right, exactly. No, I know. It's wonderful. So that's interesting. And so this is what I was, this is what I was missing. And a lot of people are missing is the metabolic flexibility. So let's mm -hmm. talk about that. Whereas you are fat burning, you know, most of your eating days, um, and you're not consuming a lot of sugar, flour, alcohol. And right. then, um, on Wednesdays and Fridays, um, you're, you're just, you're fasting a little bit more. So mm -hmm. you're, you can trim down your meals. You can trim down the food at the meals. You can actually, um, you know, lengthen your fasting window, right. um, shorten your eating window. And then you have this normal Saturday and then feasting on Sunday. So let's talk about that eat fast feast cycle that you have in your yeah. book. And, um, and then, you know, I, the, I just clamped right onto that. That's, that's actually what made me successful. Yeah, that's great. I mean, and so we're talking about the sort of weekly uh, time scale of fasting and the, the genius of the liturgical calendar and of this ancient practice is that there's a kind of eat fast feast cycle at different scales. And so you have one actually every day. So there's the time in which you don't eat, which is your fast the time in which you eat. And you can change that. As you said, you can change the eating window and the, the fasting window. Um, so that's the sort of daily scale. Then you have the weekly scale in which some days you're maybe eating more regularly. Other days you're fasting. Other days you're feasting. And then you have these seasonal patterns that are much, much larger. Of course, Lent uh, for, for Western Catholics, it'd be mainly Lent and Advent in which you're, it's not a strict fast in the sense that you're not eating, but you're doing kind of these huge uh, abstinences of food, and then adding more fasting in that. And then uh, something that's almost completely dropped out of people's memories are these ember uh, day fasts, which land basically at the joints of the four seasons. And so you see what's happening is that you have a pattern. It's just like the liturgical uh, uh, structure. Um, there's a pattern, but there's also variation in it. So it's not a boring pattern, like, you know, just 
tick, 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 tick over and over. It has a repetitive nature, but it also has this variation across different timescales. And so what's wonderful about that, if you're thinking about it metabolically, um, there's a pattern that you can get used to, but it's also not the kind of destructive pattern that would cause your metabolism to downshift, which is what the sort of uh, calorie depriving diets inevitably do. And so, it, you know, it's not as if people thought, well, let's come up with this fasting scheme because it will be better for us metabolically. Rather, this is just how people ate. There was food part of the year and not a lot of food other times. They didn't have the standard American diet with really a lot of processed sugar. Um, and then they had this pattern that kind of uh, overlaid that. So they had to fast and sacrifice. But because of that metabolic pattern that they had just participated in because of the normal situation of their lives, it wasn't torture. And I think that's the key thing. Fasting is meant to be a sacrifice. But if it's torturing you, if you literally can't do anything but think about food, it's not going to be a spiritual discipline. You're going to be fixated on your hunger. And so that's why I always knew there's something we're doing wrong that's turned this thing from a sacrifice into torture. And that's really what the, the pattern that I lay out in the book is designed to do, to just help you learn to do it as a skill so that you can actually use it as a spiritual discipline as opposed to a distraction. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. And what's interesting about it as well is when I first read your book, um, in my life coaching, um, just experience and, and in my schooling with two life, life coach schools, um, and I have a Catholic certificate and then I have mm -hmm. a, a weight loss and just a secular life coach school. Yeah. What, what I learned that there, we have unconscious thoughts that we don't even know we're thinking. And so mm -hmm. I had this diet mentality that was so sunk in, mm -hmm. um, to my brain right. that um, when you said, don't worry about not restricting your calories, you, you <laughs> just want to eat really good meals between if you're, if your eating window is six hours or four, yeah. just, just eat um, not sugar, flour, alcohol, but like no. really good wholesome food, but don't worry about restricting. Cause like avocados is, is very, they're very high in calories. They're very yeah. fiber. They're, they're the best. They make me lose weight actually. And right. so it was really hard for me to shift into um, that I can eat really wholesome, wonderful food. And actually a lot of it, like I have salads. Yeah. I'm not going to show the salad yet because the salad is the next course, but I'm, I'm just, I'm staring at it and it's huge and I can hardly finish yeah. it. But what's happened is when I'm my, the four hour windows where I actually like really feel great. And I do that mm -hmm. like every, you know, every once in a while, every like Wednesdays and Fridays for sure. If I'm not doing just one meal, but, um, that that I love that fast. So it's the 20 right. hour fast, the four hour eat. I mean, I'm not hungry for 20 hours. In fact, oh, no, I to be, it's amazing. I, I'm yeah. and then I play with my fasting and eating windows all the time mm -hmm. to see like what's gonna work for me. And like I sit before you guys and I am I've had one meal today. I'm full. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um you know, so I didn't even put dressing on the salad because I'm gonna eat it tomorrow. But um mm -hmm. it's like it's it's just a very interesting thing and we have to next the next segment we're talking about um mindset work and catholic mm. mindset coaching with lisa canning mm -hmm. and Aaron Ingold because we have to work on these unconscious like just thoughts of diet mentality fitness yeah. everything you've been taught your whole life like we were all you and i were always taught you yeah. should be eating all the time or you're oh, gonna yeah, eat, yeah <laughs> you don't want your body to go don't, don't go into starvation mode eat yeah. six small meals a day absolutely mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and that never worked for me and i was like oh, no no, yeah. I mean, basically, you're training your body to need to eat every four hours. And inevitably, what you're the reason you're doing that is because you're probably depriving yourself of fat as well, right? And so sure. this is the other thing you said, the, the advice to eat plentifully during that eating window, but also telling people, 
eat a lot of healthy fat, right? That freaks mm -hmm. people out because we've been indoctrinated that fat is bad. And I, for a long time, thought it seems unlikely that something that every human culture has been consuming for thousands of years is actually sort of deadly. It seems like we would have figured this out. Um, and, and but these weird industrial products that we created, waste products like cottonseed oil, that's you know that's a good kind of fat. And all this kind of industrially refined and pulverized, uh, you know, um, essentially sugar as soon as it touches your lips, that's what you're supposed to be eating. I mean, looking back on it, it seems crazy. But a lot of that stuff, if it's been drummed into you, just getting that out of your head so you don't feel transgressive when you, like you said, eat you know, two, three avocados with a bunch of olive oil. That can seem crazy if you've been restricting fat for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And and your palate changes. Oh, so yeah. that is one thing I, I did notice. This takes a while. So in my Delay and Pray group coaching experience, the, the coaching program, I, I take them through like week after week after week. And it's mine's a 12 week module. Yours, your, your book is cute because it says this is easily done. And so, but then you get to like the third or fourth week and you're like, <laughs> Like it's, exactly. it's very hard. So I couldn't do that for a couple of years, but mm -hmm. now I'm doing it. Um, and we are actually, my group is in St. Michael's Lent right now. So okay. we're, we're actually discovering these new Lent, this, it's not yeah. new, but we're actually, and we're, we're fasting as a community for miracles, for spiritual purposes, for the world, for the nation. Yep. And we're doing it with a bit of discomfort that's mm -hmm. mostly in our minds because oh, sure. we have our eating times, like, right. There's, there's dinner time with our families, there's breakfast. So there's, we're at work and there's a break room and mm -hmm. it's, it's really just what's available and what we're used to. And it, it, it takes a lot of discomfort to uh, coach yourself into, right. you know, I have a four hour window today. Like my favorite one is like one to five. Mm -hmm. And so and my husband doesn't get home till like seven. I just sit down with Pellegrino with him and I have right. dinner. And He's like, what's happening? <laughs> and he loves it. He's like, that's fine. Like it doesn't even, yeah. and his is, he likes his to be a little bit different. And mm -hmm. it's it's just beautiful. And so um, in this great experiment of spiritual fasting, which the world needs so badly, Absolutely. it's really about looking at your food, looking at your eating regimen mm -hmm. and just kind of you know, just renewing your mind as to how your thoughts are going about what you're eating and how and when, and um, just removing all the obstacles and, and stopping blocks from the spiritual fasting, which is totally um, possible. It's it's possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you're doing it as a community. I mean, that's the key thing, because, of course, um, you know, I say in the book that we sort of lost fasting as a church, we lost it. It's sort of the death of a thousand dispensations in which should be an exception here, an exception there. And pretty soon, no one's fasting and they can't even imagine fasting. And people have asked me, well, wouldn't it be great if the Pope just would say, okay, we're going to just sort of implement these things again. I said, well, yeah. On the other hand, we don't know how to do it. And so what I really think needs to happen is it sort of bubbles from the ground up in which you and individual be figure this out as Catholics. Yeah. Uh, and then we do it in communities voluntarily. And then all of this kind of community aspect comes afterwards because that's where the real power is. It's also a lot easier. Imagine if your whole city fasted at the same time, like if you lived in Crete or something, right, where everyone was fasting. That's a, that's much, much easier, right, than when the stores are open and closed, than having to do it like most of us now. You're maybe the one eccentric person in your office uh, that's having to do it. And so I want everyone to always sort of look forward to a future in which this is more of a communal practice, and you're getting a foretaste of it, it sounds like, right now. Absolutely. And we always talk in, in the group about Ash Wednesday and Good Friday and then mm -hmm. Fat Tuesday. Like, 
okay, this is such a bad idea. Okay, so Fat Tuesday, <laughs> we go out, <laughs> we eat all the sugar, yeah. <laughs> all the sugar, all the flour, the king cakes, like whatever. Yes. Hotchkeys, hotchkeys here in South in in like Indiana. Right. They're these, they're these huge, huge like donuts. They're filled. <laughs> they're like as big as your head. Okay, so yeah. so we're gonna eat all that, and then the next day we're gonna fast. But it's, it's on one full meal, one normal meal, and mm-hmm. two snacks not to equal one normal meal. Well, okay, the problem with that is, you know, my normal meal and your normal meal might be very different from somebody else's. A normal right. meal for someone might be the drive-through um, filet of fish yeah. with a Coke. Exactly. Um, some French fries, whatever. Um, yeah. And then the two, who knows what the two snacks are. Um, so it's just... And then, and then people are trying to give up something during Lent. So let's mm-hmm. say chocolate or yeah. beer or something like that. And then they give up within three days. Sure. Okay. Totally explainable because if you are going to sugar burn all the time, and then you're not going to be able to actually switch into fat burning. No. So let's not. talk a little bit about yeah. um, that metabolic flexibility for yeah. everyone. Cause it, it, it really makes sense and it makes sense. I always explain it at the level of insulin. Mm-hmm. So yeah. insulin is the culprit, really. It's a, it's great. We need insulin. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's very important. Um, fat storage hormone. But yeah. the problem is when we have like a Coca-Cola and we just put all of that glucose oh, yeah. into the bloodstream, then the insulin response is high. And when the insulin response is high, our hunger hormones are really thrown off. And yeah. so the leptin, which says, you know, I always think of like leptin large, the leptin hormones. Yeah you know, should say I'm full, let's mm-hmm. go move. It doesn't, it, it's That's blocked right. in the brain. And so then your ghrelin, which is like, I'm hungry, let's keep eating. Yeah, it's all. So the Coke says, Hey, have the Big Mac, mm-hmm. keep eating, keep going. And then you're never satiated. And you're wondering no. what is wrong with me? Yeah. And there's actually, I mean, uh, if you've done it for 30 years, there probably is something wrong with you called yeah. at the very least insulin resistance. resistance. Yeah. But the fact that you, we respond that way, it, it's not, it's actually an asset. And if you think about it, the way to see this as an asset is to realize most of human history, right? Most of humans to get to now, they had to live through a very different kind of life. And so for most of human history, people were living at times uh, especially if, unless you were right on the equator living in Polynesia, uh, in which there's going to be a lot of food at certain times of the year, certain kinds of food that are sort of sugar rich like fruits, and then long periods of the year where there's not a lot of food. And so you're storing stuff, you're eating less. Um, certain times you might not be eating at all. Now, people get that. They say, okay, so people had to be able to survive starvation mode. So that's why you need to store fat. And so they say, kind of get that. This is the the step that people need to get, though, is that God designed us so that we are optimized for that pattern. It's not just that he made it so that we can survive through that. He made us so that our bodies are actually better off when we match that pattern. So there's a kind of, there's a form of blessed abundance. We're thankful that we, you know, none of us are starving to death, but there's, it actually throws us off having food constantly available and having certain kinds of food constantly available. That's the thing that people have a hard time getting over. It's just like you can imagine we should be thankful that we have heating and air conditioning, uh, but we should also maybe consider that actually cold shock is sometimes good for you. And if you never have it, you might have weird unexplained anxiety because you're never uh, experiencing cold shock because that's how God designed us. In the same way, God designed us so that we would eat a lot sometimes, eat sort of modestly other times, and not eat at all 
other times. And for most of human history, that is exactly how people lived. Moreover, they didn't have access to large amounts of refined sugar all the time. And so they were just naturally going back and forth between this, um, that you think of as a sort of a hybrid car, right, in which you're using either gasoline or electricity. Sometimes your body's using sugar and converting it to glucose and fuel. Sometimes it's not, and it runs out. And then the liver says, okay, they're going to switch over, and it's going to start uh, converting fats to ketones, another form of energy. You want both of those working. But if you spent 40 years not using the ketone cycle, it's rusty, and you probably have some problems that are going to need some time to kind of work themselves out. That is that is so true. It's rusty, and that's where you're you're not going to feel super great. Mm -hmm. um, that's where you're going to be hungry. Um, you're going to have some headaches. You might not be able to sleep a little bit, but the first two yeah. weeks is a little hard. Um, right. But what's very interesting about you, what you just said, is that um, I have what's called dining in with Jesus, mm -hmm. which I tell people like if if you're not if you're going to intermittent fast and not eat for a little while in between meals, the best fat you can eat is your own fat. Like you're going to dine okay. in on your own fat. My old uh, weight loss coach used to say, um, you have thousands of meals on your body, even if you're like a size seven or whatever it was. It was yes. really funny. And I never even thought about it that way. And so when I get a little hungry, not famished, but just yeah. a little bit hungry, I realize, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm dining in for Jesus. So this is where um, I have some spiritual purposes. Like right now I have nine things that I'm really praying for. And, mm -hmm. you know, I will just be like, oh, this is where I grab my rosary and I get more hungry for God than yeah. hungry for whatever the next meal is. And that's what fasting does is it, it really, if you can get to the point where you can be metabolically flexible and you can burn a little bit of sugar every once in a while, but yep. burn mostly fat most of the time. And yeah. I believe, you know, um, answer me this, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. I believe it's eating in meals. So even if I have a, an eating window of let's say eight hours, like if you're doing yeah. a 16, eight or whatever it is, um, yeah. I still don't snack. I still make sure that I'm yeah. having, I, I have either two meals or three meals, but I, I, I make sure to have a meal. Like I'm not, I'm not eating. Right. Three. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think, I mean, I'm a little bit weird because I do sort of uh, fitness stuff. So sometimes my meal will literally be a really hearty kind of protein shake um, without a lot of fruit in it, you know, and that's the, sort of the meal. Um, right. But I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think what fat, but it, what's funny is we take snacking for granted as if it's this sort of eternal verity. But if you look back, even to 1980, most people didn't do this. And so it's actually a fairly recent phenomenon, in part by just frankly, the cheapness of food until this recent inflation, food as a percentage of our income, if you're upper middle class person or above, is not that significant. And so food is just genuinely cheap, especially processed food. Um, but also we've been told that we're supposed to eat a lot. So it's like, if you think, well, I don't want to feel hungry. And so it's better that I have a snack. And so, I mean, everybody that's had kids in the last 20 years knows it's like, we can't imagine a child could survive an entire soccer game, right? Without snack breaks and things. Look, I didn't have that in the 1970s and 80s. We didn't have snack breaks in the middle of sport sporting events, right? So this is actually a recent phenomenon. And when you switch in this way, even if you're narrowing your time window, in some ways, a snacking is kind of a habit. And so I, I do think generally it's better to just, just break the habit. Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. It is a habit and eating in meals will help you be metabolically flexible. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the availability of the snacks right now is really oh. unfortunate. Um, for yeah. instance, um, it's all, it's, you know, it's, we're getting into fall. 
Halloween is around the corner. So you're going into stores and there is candy everywhere. Well, when I was young, um, there was only a candy aisle during Halloween. Yeah. That was it. You had to wait for candy corn and, right. and like bags of candy, like with, with little sure. miniature only during Halloween. And then of course, um, I, you know, I'm the youngest out of eight children. My mom would ration it. Um, because want us to have, cause guess what? She couldn't afford dentist. She couldn't sure. afford the dentist. At the <laughs> That's <time>. awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah. honestly, she was the best. Okay. Yeah. So uh, there's a video like that where I'm going to play like right after your uh, segment, but uh, yeah. she, she's the one who actually uh, brought me into spiritual fasting. But you think about that. She knew the health problems with, with candy. Mm-hmm. She knew what it was. Ha- so she, you know, we would go out and we'd do Halloween and all of that, but we would give it away and, or we'd save it and we'd ration it out. Um, and it really wasn't this big thing for me. It just was really fun to dress up in a costume. Now it's available all the time. It's available right. all the time. Um, and our kids always want it. A lot of people have candy jars on their, on their counters all the time. And, um, it's unfortunate because they say addiction, um, one of the, uh, things with addiction is just having it available. Sure. And so, and so we have to kind of look out for that. So one of the first things you say in your book is, um, clean out your mind and you say, clean out your pantry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's true. It's true. And you don't have to start with the seed oils. I mean, there are some of the, okay. So Listen, I like right now I try not to eat Cedos, but I had to go like my program starts out where all we're doing is trying to eliminate sugar, flour and alcohol like that first week. And you can eat all the time if you want. If you want to do like salted cucumbers all day long, do it. But you're just trying to kind of clean out the sugar and the flour. You're trying to figure out your um, I call them runaway foods, which means we all have our runaway foods. Um, Some people it's gummies. You could put gummies on my island. Uh, all day long, I wouldn't touch them. I don't like them. Same. Right? I could care less. Yeah, they would okay, just get hard and pretzels yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, for I mean, me, it's like, corn chips. For me, it's like oh, I can chips. sense it. I can sense a bag of corn chips in the house somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or chips and salsa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Phenomenal. Exactly. Yeah. So these things, like I just don't buy them anymore. But at, sure. at the beginning, it was hard. I I, I wanted to keep them in there. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, you know, I'm I'll be fine. Everything will be okay. And that's why everyone, it, it takes time to get here because you. You're going to go into those snacks. You're going to be like, oh, shoot. Okay. And then you realize, all right, I just have to eliminate them for a time and I can have a little bit on Sunday. So the way that I, I I love your program because I, the the Wednesdays and the Fridays, I fast for the blessed mother. um, Mm -hmm. And I know that bread and water is the best fast, but I don't always do that, but I usually can get to one meal. um, And even Fridays, I'm really excited. It was really hard for me to give up alcohol uh, because Mm -hmm. Coming from a Catholic family, a couple glasses of wine. I mean, sure. I, I, you know, three light beers, a couple yes. seltzers. You know, I mean, I'm not saying all of it. I'm just saying yes. just two Something. or three drinks. Uh huh. And that was my hardest time. And I haven't had uh, a drink on a Friday night except for one time I planned uh, in February in 2023. So we right. were on vacation in February, and I planned it because I was like, "There's no way I can get through vacation without a couple of drinks with everybody." Right. My sister was there. We were having so much fun. The whole family. Uh-huh. Um, and then I drank it and I was like, eh, it's, I would have rather had my little, um, pear, pear mocktail. I know that sounded okay. really good by the way. <laughs> it's really, yeah. And it's such a cheat because there's so much sugar in that, yeah, it sounds but, like... but it's okay. Actually, at oh. least it's a little more healthy than, you know, than whatever, but yeah. I had to change my habit of, ha- of, right. of, of actually, um, consuming the alcohol on Friday night so that 
so that my whole life can be about fasting for the Blessed Mother and reparation mm -hmm. for all the sins on Wednesdays and Fridays. And what I used to do was say, okay, I can't fast on Friday because I want to drink on Friday. And then of course, Friday night is a pizza night. Yes, and then, of course. And then, and so then I would say to the blessed mother in adoration, can I, do you mind if I just move it to Thursday? No, it's exactly, you're reverse engineering from it. You should need to go the other way. Yeah. And, and my question to you is, do you think yeah. I was attached to this food? Yes. I mean, it's, it, and that's what we do. We're like, we're like, oh, it's not possible. Like, you know, oh, I do pizza and beer on Fridays or, you know. Oh, oh yeah. How can that be? be? And I can tell you for me, um, and so, you know, I've been at this a while. And so normally on Wednesdays and Fridays, I actually don't eat until I'll have, it's basically one meal a day, usually mm -hmm. on, on Wednesdays and Fridays. And I actually, because I'm sort of habituated to this, will very often go to until dinner, um, even on other days, but then I'll just eat like crazy after I get home. Um, but I also realize that everybody's not doing this. And so like, if I'm on a, a vacation or not a vacation, but a work trip in which I realize, okay, there's a special event, a special meal or something. Um, and I'm going to mess everybody up. I will shift it for that reason. I'll say, okay, I'm going to do Tuesday and Thursday or Tuesday and Saturday this week, just because, you know, I'm, I'm accommodating them, but I'm not reverse engineering it because of something that I wanted to do. Um, and I don't, you know, and especially if something like you're with a group of people that are not Christians, it just, in some ways, it can be off-putting to them if you're sort of doing this. And so that's honestly what I do. Different things work for different people. I absolutely try to keep at least two days a week, though, where I just, for me, I basically do one meal a day. And then I usually I don't eat at all on Wednesdays and Fridays, actually, during Lent. So I do the 36-hour thing. But I, I mean, everybody has a different capacity and different calling on that. But I do think it helps to kind of lay down some some basics ahead of time. So I love that. And that you make a really good point because I do that too. So normally Wednesdays and Fridays now are my meatless days, especially mm -hmm. Fridays being penitential Fridays. Yep. Um, and I do fast either one meal or bread and water or sometimes nothing like during Lent, like you said. Um, mm -hmm. But you're right. Like if I have a, I live on a lake. So if I have a bunch of people coming, a lot of family on Friday, I, I'll, it, you know, I will do something else. Um, I'll move it to Thursday with my meat and everything. Mm -hmm. And I'll join in on Friday. I don't do the alcohol only because that is something that I just don't want to break, break my streak. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's really important to me. And, and it's mm -hmm. now Fridays for me now are like nothing like I, you know, yeah. the Friday comes and I don't want it. But what's really interesting about the exercise, Jay, is that one of the things I've noticed about my fast, if I want to fast and I want to eat and I have a habit of something like tortilla chips in the evening because that was a big mm -hmm. thing for me my husband and I would snack we'd have a glass of wine and some tortilla chips um, and salsa um, it was it happened easier if I was moving so what I would do is I would take a long walk outside or even mm -hmm. I would just go downstairs and do some planks yeah. and I would get some natural endorphins and and natural um, dopamine and sure. it would come back up and I wouldn't want the wine and the tortilla chips anymore and there's a correlation there isn't there yeah there is and in fact um I I honestly think a, a few years ago where I work at the Heritage Foundation now and we moved in, I moved into a new part of the building we're under construction and we have these standing desks in which you just push a button and the entire desk, a big desk goes up. And so I stand at home uh, normally at my desk. I'm not, I had to, I got, I got moved to my daughter's bedroom because my wife's working downstairs with a student, but um, I stand, I stand when I work. 
and I'm and I actually have a kind of an uneven standing pad so that I can't stand still. I'm moving constantly, and I'm absolutely convinced that this, it's like I'm working and I'm kind of moving constantly, and it just honestly doesn't occur to me. Oh gosh, I should go. You know, I should go have a snack, or I should really take a break and go eat something. And I think it's because I'm doing something with my body. It's true. We have to move, and then of course that leptin that says we are full, we should move. The mm -hmm. more we use it, the less we eat, the more leptin we have. The more it says we should, you know, we're full and we should move. We're full and yeah. we should move. We're full and we should move. And it's just this interesting pattern that you have to shift into. Definitely. And I, I just love it. So everyone out there, you can exercise while you fast. Absolutely. It's amazing. I mean, you should, uh, Jay and I are not doctors. So no. you yeah. <laughs> definitely be under a doctor's care. We're not saying that you should do this. I'm under a doctor's care for sure, but mm -hmm. only for annual physicals. That's what fasting has done for me. My blood work, right. my blood work is phenomenal. Um, yeah. And I just do annual physicals right now, and and mm -hmm. I'm in my late fifties, and um, it's it's really really amazing. So we've got this regimen, and here's the other thing that people really have a have a hard time with. When they come women when they come into my program is the feast. So mm -hmm. we get to the feast and we overeat, and that's okay. That it's right. the, how the beginning is because you know we don't we really. Feasting in America is like is like Fat Tuesday. Yeah, until you're distended. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what it means. Yeah, because I said what we do, we've actually lost the meaning of feast because we eat too much all the time. And so then on a feast day, we feel like, okay, well, what is this? Well, I'm going to have to go over and above. When in fact, if you think about it, for think of Northern European history and or thinking you're living in 1100, right? Um, if you're close to a subsistence farmer, if you're going to have a feast for Easter, that really means you're going to abstain and eat less for a while. So you have extra to be able to eat. And so your experience of that, the abundance is going to be completely different. But when I, you know, in, in the book, I say, when I'm talking about, say, the mini feasts, you know, during Lent, that I say mini feast, because what that means is you do something you wouldn't normally do and you eat sort of indulgences you wouldn't normally eat. It doesn't mean that you make up for like all the caloric deficit of the previous six days on the seventh day. I mean, I, I, I've got a friend and I, I don't want to give the kind of details because people could figure out who he is, but he's a really good guy. I mean, he's a very big guy. I mean, very tall and just a large person. And I, he, I'm sort of his personal coach on this. And so he finally started doing it. Um, and, but he, he has a very hard time like limiting carbs. This is just really impossible for him, but he finally did it. Um, but then, you know, he remembered I had said feast. And so he was doing this and then he, he called me and said, I'm having a real problem. I don't know what's happening because I lost a few pounds and now I'm back and he, I'm struggling with it. I said, okay, I want tell me exactly what you're doing. Okay. Well, what he was doing exactly is he was making an entire loaf of bread, which he ate by himself on Sundays, right? <laughs> an entire loaf of bread. It turns out he ate it about an hour and a half too. And it's like, okay, well, that's not really the idea. Unfortunately, that's um, probably overdoing it. Yeah, that's flooding his bloodstream. Yeah, absolutely. The insulin response right yeah. there. So interesting um, that Sundays really were feasting on the Eucharist. So yes. when we talk to Sister Dee, Dee she, she's coming up. That's that is really the the whole emphasis is to shift into absolutely. spending your life fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays when you can. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we have to shift, like you said, like if we're on vacation or if we're traveling, that's fine. But yes. on a but on an average basis, trying to constrain your life into really fasting for others on Wednesdays and Fridays. And it it just makes you feel good. It gives you a mission and a purpose. I've never felt younger in my whole life than now because mm -hmm. 
my, my spiritual purpose is outward. It's for others. It's for the nation. And I'm not worried because I know that I'm fasting and praying. And that's the one thing I know I can do. And so that makes me really happy. And then of course, um, I have put way more sacraments into my life because, um, I couldn't do it without it. So I started going to daily mass. Um, and I don't go all day. I'm almost at daily, like almost at the five or six days, but I'm at four. Um, and I've just added one or two every year, um, mm-hmm. adoration and then monthly confession. That's and, right. um, we'll be talking to sister Didi about like, you know, the, the one, the one true food, which is the Eucharist, but right. actually the fasting, when you, when you empty yourself, um, it's really beautiful because it does leave room for the Holy spirit to come in and, my favorite, we love Saturday night mass. My favorite thing is, is really to not, I, uh, it's not a fast day, but I, I try not to eat all day on Saturday. Cause I love to go to the Eucharist completely empty. Like, well, yeah, oh, I show up and I'm just so emotional and I want him yes. so badly. I'm so hungry for him. Well, and I almost want to, um, I, I, I want to suggest this. I'm not an expert on Magigoria um, at all. Um, and I constantly get asked about Magigorian uh, apparitions and the bread and the water. Um, but I would like to just suggest the possibility that the perfect fast of bread and water is actually referring to the, is referring to the Eucharist and baptism. Um, that's the primary meaning of those things. Uh, we have examples of that, and, and we literally have examples like St. Catherine of, of Siena, who managed to live miraculously just on the Eucharist. But I think that's more of what that's about than a kind of literal, okay, here's the way to kind of survive a 24-hour fast. It's like, look, if, you know, what fasting is supposed to do is it's supposed to empty you so that you can be filled with something else. This is not a kind of Buddhist, you know, extinguishment. It's an emptying of a particular thing, a particular good. Food is a good. It's not a bad. And so you're abstaining from something that's a good, presumably so you can be filled with something else. And I discovered that too. I discovered that I have to have the Eucharist on Wednesdays and Fridays for sure. When Mm. I'm fasting, it gives me the grace to keep fasting, keep my fast, to do the right thing, to give up the alcohol and, you know, just keep going with him in mind and praying and getting closer to God. Um, I have this mug here. It has, it says Beth, Beth, the Catholic fasting coach. And then on the other side, it says, um, he must increase, I must decrease, John That's 330. Right. And then we're putting a literally under there, but we got to get a bigger mug so it wouldn't fit. But anyway, so that's actually what happens is, is as we let him increase in our lives through spiritual fasting, then we decrease in this permanent weight loss, which is beautiful. I've yeah. started weightlifting. I've started getting closer yeah. to him, spiritual reading, all of it, helping others, volunteering more, like doing things because mm-hmm. you do have to fill your time because you guess what? we eat a lot and we watch Netflix and stuff a lot and we don't even realize we're stuck. Oh, yeah. Well, and if you eat a lot and it's you're the primary person in your family that prepares the food, that's a lot of time. And so that's part of why, like the habit of eating, all of a sudden you have this extra time and you're breaking the habit of eating, right? And so it can, it really, that's, in some ways, I think that actually is as much the, the, the challenge uh, as the kind of food deprivation. Because the reality is if you, somebody locks you in a room for three days, you're going to be in ketosis in three days. You're not, your blood sugar is not going to be going up and down, but you have been habituated for years to do things differently. And that just takes a while to break. It, it really does. And, and, you know, that word ketosis, it gets a bad rap. Sure. Um, 
it, it sends people into like a diet mentality. And I'm like, you guys mm -hmm. know ketosis is so good for you. It's so yeah. good for you. It's, it lowers inflammation. It helps, okay. helps your body, your mitochondria. I mean, I mean, we could go on and on, but oh, there's yeah. many books out there. There's books everywhere. I have resources in my, you could read all this stuff about the biology, but the soul, it's really helpful in the soul because like you're saying, it's, it's good. Food is good. But when you, when you're emptying yourself, um, then something good is it leaves room for something really good to come in if you seek it. That's and exactly, yeah, that's exactly right. It is. Yeah. And uh, I, for, for me, and the key thing, I just want to make sure that I make this point is that of course, Catholic theology and Catholic anthropology is so important because we are human beings are not ghosts trapped in meat suits, right? We're not just a bunch of, and we're not, we're not just material and we're not just spiritual We're this unique unity we're fully spiritual and fully material and so we should presumably have spiritual practices that do both of those things and so that's why prayer and fasting i think are meant to go together because prayer though we do some things with our body is mostly something that's happening in our minds and our souls um, fasting, we're literally bringing our metabolism and our cells and our hormones uh, to bear. We're, we're marshalling those for spiritual purposes. And so it's a perfect kind of spiritual practice that represents this fundamental Christian truth, which is that humans are fully spiritual and fully material at one and the same time. Oh, I love that. And in fact, that's what we're going to talk about in the next segment with um, Aaron and Lisa, because it was my it was really going through the uh, Metanoia Catholic uh, Life Coaching School that I really learned the anthropology of mm. the body-soul composite. I had yes. no idea exactly what it was. I, I mm. took theology of the body classes for sure, but the way that they presented it was so phenomenal and it made the whole spiritual fasting just it totally brought it alive for me, you know? Right. And um, so you're so right. And I think a lot of people don't understand. A lot of Catholics don't, they separate body and soul. They're like, eh, this is my oh, body. Absolutely. Here's my soul. And yes. um, you know, that's, and that's the thing. So um, I know we're coming to the end of our time, but um, you know, I just want people to know, and maybe you can kind of, you know, chirp in a little bit about the culture and the degre the degradation just of the body itself that people think oh, yeah. we can, we can separate this from God and we can't. Oh, absolutely. And it, what's weird, Beth, because actually I I was teaching at Catholic University and I moved to the Heritage Foundation a little over two years ago for a weird reason. It's because I had read a book called Irreversible Damage by Abigail Schreer about teenage girls in California that were um, become, waking up saying, I think I'm a boy, having body parts removed, right? This stuff's actually happening uh, under the influence of this thing called gender ideology. And it's it is not, it's like the worst form of Gnosticism in which people, rather than being embodied creatures made in the image of God, were just these, the kind of psychological cells, these disembodied selves that can be incongruent with our sex bodies. And it's a really, really toxic idea, but it is at bottom uh, a failure to understand what humans are, the truth about men and women, that we are this unique creature made in the image of God, but we're fully material, fully spiritual. And if you break that apart and emphasize one or the other, you end up in some really, really bizarre places. And that's where our culture is. And that is why I think, honestly, I, I, you know, I think God is calling the church uh, to a renewed interest and vigor in fasting precisely because it brings us back to the embodied nature of our existence. I love that. And I always tell, I, I coach a lot of women whose grandchildren are suffering from this, especially, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe their children don't 
don't attend mass and they don't really understand. And so the grandkids are very confused. Yes. And I always say, you know, find information that's very good and, and Catholic and explain it to them if, if you can. But mm -hmm. the one thing you can do is pray and fast. The one Absolutely. thing you can do is learn to delay and pray and to, to really be a stronghold in the Catholic church for them and mm -hmm. to let them know that it's not okay, you know, and that there's, that we are body and soul and God loves our bodies so much. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it's just not the right thing to do. And so we need a lot more of that. I'll tell you what. So, yeah. Well, this has been wonderful. I, I I love all of your book, and it has been such an inspiration to me. And um, I uh, I'm I'm writing a book of my own, so I'll definitely pass it to you. And uh, uh okay, nice. Maybe you can just uh take maybe a be a beta reader, and so uh, yes, absolutely. Let you. me know how it is, and uh, yeah, it should be coming out here around Christmas time. But anyway, Perfect. thank you so much, Jay. Really, absolutely. Everything you do, and um, yeah, just just uh, I will be in touch. I'd like to meet Definitely. you. Someday. Sister Didi is also in, in DC too, so she I'm is cool. exactly. We've been at events together, so I'm excited. Have okay, I'm yeah. coming. I'm coming to see okay. you. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> thanks right, for this. Thanks okay, so much. All right, God bless. All right, you too. Blessings. Okay, bye bye. Please share this podcast if it was inspiring for you so others will hear the great message of Catholic fasting and learn to fast off of sugar, flour, and alcohol, especially on Wednesdays and Fridays of the year. Have a great week, my friends. Keep fasting and praying, and I will talk to you next week. May God bless you and keep you always. If you are interested in learning more about spiritual fasting and permanent weight loss, then come join my course, Delay and Pray, a 12-week guided course for weight loss through spiritual fasting. You won't go through it alone either. I will be there to coach you every step of the way. This is a group coaching program where you are part of an amazing community of like-minded Catholics who have the same goal as you, to bring about miracles while losing that weight permanently through spiritual fasting. Your purchase includes an online course detailing what spiritual fasting is, how to do it, and all the tools you you need to get you the results you're longing for. Head over to my website right now at thecatholicfastingcoach.com and get the details on how to join. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn to always get the latest daily information to help you keep fasting, my friends. Can't wait to see you in there. May God bless you and keep you always.